Okay, good morning, Boker Tov, Chodesh Tov, a good Chodesh. It's great to be back for the Parsha class for the brand new year, which really should start with Bracious, but time did not allow last week. So uh, better late than never, we start with Parsha's Noach. I want to thank our generous sponsors for the entire Parsha series for the year, Becky and Avi Katz, in memory of Becky's father, David Grossman, Lili Nishmas, David Menachem Monish, whose neshama should have an aliyah through this generous sponsorship, and all of the amazing work that they do. Parshas Noach is an action-packed Parsha. There is so much to talk about. We'll see how far we get. Of course, the two major storylines of Parshas Noach are the story of the Mabel, the flood, the people's unworthiness for God to continue what was the experiment of the creation of the world, in which HaKadosh Baruch Hu pressed a hard reset. You know, on your phone, Lahavda, you could do a soft reset. If you get a virus or a bug, or you could do a hard reset, because it's become so corrupted your laptop, your iPhone, whatever software has become so corrupted that the only way to make it function again and function properly is to do a hard reset, to restore it to the factory settings. The Rebona looked at the world that had become so corrupt that he felt no choice but to do a hard reset to restore it to the factory settings. What had become wrong with the whole world? And the second storyline, of course, is Migdal Bavel. We'll get to that. Terach at the end of the parsha. We think Lech Lecha begins the journey towards Charon. Terach began it. Hopefully, you'll remind me, we'll get to that at the end of the parsha. So what did the people do so wrong? What was the virus that had corrupted the whole world? So much so that the Rebbe Shalom, the Almighty, was motivated. Time to do a hard reset. Have to restore the world to the factory settings. So it's not a mystery. The Pasuk itself tells us. The Pasuk says, If you're following the Art Scrolls, Stone Chumash, it's on page 30. The earth had become so corrupt before Hashem. And what is the very definition of corruption? What had it become filled with? What is the word we use to describe corrupt, immoral, unethical, morally depraved? Hamas. Hamas. It's not a coincidence. Hamas. They didn't name their organization because they feel they stand for corruption. They have another motivation or reason for their name, but from our perspective, Hamas is the, an arch enemy, stands for corruption. What was the Hamas? What does it mean to be so corrupt? What was the virus that was so insidious that a Kurdish Baruch who had to do a hard reset? So Rashi tells us, Hamas Gezel. They stole from one another. They were thieves, robbery. Rashi says Hashem punished the generation. Their, Hashem's decision to punish the generation was sealed because of their involvement in thievery. So the other sins of the generation, their moral corruption in other arenas of life, were not enough to push Hashem over the edge to do a hard reset on the world. It was particularly gezel. It was the fact that they didn't have respect for one another's money that caused them to put over the idea. The Ramban writes... He expands on this idea, and he says that the law against robbery is, if I have to categorize halacha, if I have to categorize mitzvahs, Torah laws, into those which are religious in nature and those which are logical or rational, a mitzvah sikhli, what if Sadi Gon would call, a rational, logical mitzvah, where would you place not stealing? It's not a religious ritual law, it's a logical, it's a rational law. There's a, moral, there's a social contract we have with one another to respect each other's property. And the moment that we violate that boundary and we steal from one another, 
society is corrupt. It's a rational, logical law. It's a rational, logical observance to all respect one another's property, to have property rights and to have property boundaries. And we steal from one another, we undermine. So the Ramban says that the people, though they had not had a Torah, they didn't have Harsinai, they didn't have revelation, but they should have known it on their own. It's a rational law, it's a social basic contract. And the fact that they couldn't even keep, they couldn't even respect what are the basic tenets of a society, show just how corrupt they were, and says the Ramban, because they couldn't even observe something logical, rational, that any child could come to on their own. That was the Makkah that's what pushed Hashem over the edge to have to do a hard reset to restore the world to the factory settings. But why does the Pasuk say, Lefnei ha'elokim? Lefnei ha'elokim. Just The world had become corrupt. The world had become morally depraved and bankrupt. Why does it specifically have to be described to us as being how? Lifnei ha'elokim. Happening before Hashem. So my Salavechik has, I think, a very beautiful, beautiful insight. And he says, we make the mistake of thinking that robbery and stealing is only a violation between man and man. If I take your things, I violated your trust. I've hurt and damaged and injured you. So where is the prohibition of thievery, of robbery, of stealing? It's Ben Adam La Chavera. Says the Rav, no. When you steal from someone else, you know who ultimately you have violated? Lifnei Ha'elokim. And why is that? So on the simple level, it's because Hashem said don't steal. So when you do anything Hashem said don't do, even if the ultimate victim is another human being, but ultimately if you're violating what Hashem has asked you, of course you are violating Hashem and His trust. But says the Rav, it goes much deeper. Because when a person steals, why are they stealing? What drives or motivates a person to take something that belongs to someone else? Because they want it. Because they crave it. Because they think they deserve it, they think they're entitled to it. And they don't trust that whatever they have is what they need. That whatever they have comes from Hashem. And when a person is willing to violate a boundary and take something that doesn't belong to them, not only have they hurt or injured the other party from whom they stole, but ultimately it reflects an act of kfira. It is an expression of heresy. Someone who believes that they have whatever they need, whatever they deserve, that a Kaddish Baruch Hu provides for them, would never steal. So stealing is not only ben Adon stealing ultimately is lufnei ha'elokim. It is between man and God. And that's why the Torah elsewhere describes a person who is entrusted to safeguard somebody's valuable item, the halach of shomrim, and the person then expropriates it. They take it. They steal it. Someone asked you to safeguard, to be a shomer over something, and you take it. How did you take it? By denying that you were ever asked to watch it. So the Torah tells us that person, it's a trespass against Hashem. Pasuk in Vayikra, Parakei, Pasuk... Chaf Aleph also describes there, someone asked you to watch something and then you denied it and you stole it and you took it, you violated Hashem. How'd you violate Hashem? You violated another person. It's the person whose property you stole. Now again, the answer is, if we really believe that we have what we need, we have what's designed and designated for us, then we would never be moved to steal, to touch, to take something that's not ours. When we do, when we do, not only have we hurt other people, but where and before whom? God says, look, 
If I created you and I've told you I'll take care of you, but you don't trust me enough that you're stealing from one another, I'm out of here. This world is not going to work because the purpose of your creation is not only to operate with societal social contract, but it's to develop a relationship with me. And if you're going to knock me out of the equation by thinking I don't provide, then this isn't going to work. Then I'm out of here. Then I'm out of here. We see this again a little bit later. Because the Pasuk describes when Noah enters the Teva, the Pasuk describes in Perches, Pasuk Aleph, again, if you're following inside the Chumash, it's page 36. It says the Torah, God remembered. This is the Pasuk of Yisker. Yisker begins. We like to think that Yisker is our remembering our loved ones, but in fact, Yisker is the exercise of the process of invoking Hashem's memory, which itself needs to be studied another time, because if there's one being in existence whose memory has no failure or faults and does not need to be invoked, because infinite, omnipotent, all-powerful, all-knowing doesn't even have memory, his knowledge is all simultaneously, it doesn't, simultaneous, it doesn't reflect the past, it's the Ribbonashlam, it's Hashem. So what do you mean, God had to remember. We, not you, me, sometimes have senior moments. None of you do. You don't know what I'm talking about. So we who have senior moments, we can forget. I don't remember what I had for breakfast. We don't remember anything. But Hashem had to remember. It's an insight into what memory is. The fact that we associate memory with Hashem, is in itself an insight into what memory really is versus what it isn't, but not for now. So Elohim, God has to remember Noah and all the animals that are with him in the Teva. And because of that, the Pasuk says, he causes the spirit to pass over the earth, the water subsides, and society is going to begin the process of being rebuilt. We all said this Pasuk very recently. Not just Nai Mikrav Echetargum, which hopefully we are reinvigorated to try to start again with the beginning of the new cycle. We had someone give a shir over Yontif on Shnai Mikrav Echetargum. We have a halacha. It's a rabbinic enactment to review the parsha twice every week with the, either the targum or you can fulfill it through Rashi. So I was listening and I conjectured, I think it's possible, it's possible that more people will finish the cycle of being Messiah Shas than who finish Shnai Mikra Ve'echa Targum. Now, there's also a mitzvah to learn Torah and Shas. It's an enormous accomplishment. Shulchan Aruch Harav, the Alter Rebbe says a Jew has an obligation to learn all of Shas. But Shnai Mikra is a halacha, it's a binding halacha, it's quoted in Shulchan Aruch. And it's interesting that I would guess that there'll be more people participating in the enormous accomplishment of finishing Shas, 2,711 days in a row, seven and a half years, than we'll finish Shnai Mikra Vachatargum, which is even a more incumbent obligation. So anyway, we all read the Pasuk in Shnai Mikra, but we read it earlier. When did we just read this Pasuk? When did we just read it? In Shimon Asrei. Which Shimon Asrei did we just read it in? Rosh Hashanah. Which section of the Shemona Esrei of Rosh Hashanah did we read it in? Of course, this is the first Pasuk of Zechronos. Musaf on Rosh Hashanah is made up of three sections. Malchias, Zechronos, Shofros. And the first, the first Pasuk that Zechronos mentions is this Pasuk. Why? What does it mean by Yizkor Elohim that God remembered Noah and even all of the animals? And why is that invoked as the opening introductory Pasuk of the Zechronos of the Zechronos section. So again, Rabbi Salavechik, this is brought down in his beautiful Chumash, 
says, what the Parsha is trying to communicate to us, and the way we begin Zechronos, one of the major themes of Rosh Hashanah, a little anticlimactic to talk about Rosh Hashanah today, getting you ready for next year. So, one of the major themes to introduce Rosh Hashanah and Zechronos is the idea that Hashem doesn't just have some generic umbrella memory. Hashem's concern is not only with the whole universe and all of humanity, but the Almighty, the Ribbonah Shalom, is concerned, remembers, is involved in every single human being, in every single creation. Kodesh Baruch Hu is so great that he's able to have his eye on the whole universe and everyone in it simultaneously. And so a person should never ever discount the value of the individual. Kodesh Baruch Hu has both a universal and an individual concern. He's able to care about both simultaneously. That is, first of all, a model for us. That's why one of the prakim of Eicha, if you think it's anticlimactic to talk about Rosh Hashanah, it's more anticlimactic to talk about Tisha B'av. But one of the prakim of Eicha is devoted. Yermiyahu Anavi gives a eulogy for whom? For King Yoshiahu. We have a whole kina on Tisha B'av morning. Vayikonen Yermiyahu Yoshiahu. Why? The individual. Because just like a Kodesh Baruch who cares not only about the totality and the universal man, but every individual, he's involved in our lives. We may make the mistake of waking up and thinking, Hashem cares about the whole universe, generically, the umbrella, the big picture. Little me, does he care about me, my aches, my pains, my hopes, my aspirations, my disappointments? Little old me cares about me? And the answer is yes, Vayizkor Elohim Es Noach. Kaddish who cares about every one of us. He's intimately involved in every one of our lives. And we too, therefore, should also not only care about the whole, but care about every single individual. I've led several trips to Poland, and Merit will do another one. But often in Maidanak, when you see that barrack that's filled with countless shoes, I'll tell our group to stop. And instead of getting lost in the hundreds or thousands of shoes, and the magnitude of six million, find one shoe. Look at one shoe and try to picture who wore it. Where did they go in it? How did they fit? What was the last time they were wearing it? What were they thinking and how were they feeling when they bought it or when it was purchased for them? And when you can focus in on the individual, who wore that shoe, those pair of shoes? The significance of the individual. It's not just the whole globe or humanity or the impact of the mabul. It's Noach, is Noach. That's why that Pasuk begins Zechronos. Because Zechronos is not about a Kodesh Baruch Hu's concern for Hashkacha Klalas, what we call his providence on mass, but it's Hashkacha Pratis. It's Vaiskor Lukim. He's involved in every one of our lives. He loves us and he knows us, knows us, and he's intimately invested in everything that happens to us. He's deeply, deeply connected to everything that happens with us. So Noah is saved for two reasons. Noah is saved because he is going to be the instrument through which there'll be a continuation, a continuity of man. And Noah is saved because of his own personal worthiness. Because every individual, Kajbor, who has a unique relationship. We just said this in Siddur Snippet the other night. We're up to Ashray. For those who don't, you can subscribe on WhatsApp and every day get a six-minute Siddur Snippet. It's an insight on the sitter. You could listen to all the old ones on, on our website. And we began with brachos. We began with moda'ani. <laughs> we began with moda'ani. We're up to ashrei. All our eyes turn to you with hope. What's the end of the pasuk? 
Be'ito, the Gemara in, in, in Ksubis notes, it should say, Nosein Sachlam Be'itam. You're talking in the plural. So why does it conclude in the singular, Be'ito? And the Gemara there says, because Kaddish Baruch Hu gives everyone what they need, and not only the measure that we need, but in the time frame that we need it. So maybe in this Tkufa, in this period of our life, we struggled, and then we did well. Maybe earlier we did well, and then we struggled. Maybe we here had a surplus, and here we had a... Here we had a deficiency. Here we were lacking. Kaddish Baruch Hu gives bi'ito what we need, not only what we need, but when we need it. It's not bi'itam, it's bi'ito. Vayizkor Elohim is Noach. And that's the Hamas, v'atishachis ha'aretz, where? L'fnei ha'elokim. Because at the foundation, at the core of being an observant Torah Jew is knowing that I have a relationship with the Kaddish Baruch Hu. He's not so great and so big. There's a form of kfira. It's almost a kfira l'shma. It's a kfir l'shma, the Bali Musa talk about, where a person mistakenly thinks that Hashem is so great that how could be involved in my little old life? He's so great, and I think of him in such grandiose terms that it would diminish him in some way to think that he's involved in my little life. But that's kenege, that's opposite, that's contrary our Torah hashkafa. We believe the exact opposite. In fact, you're diminishing Hashem if you think that he's not great enough to be involved in every one of our lives. He's so great that he can be involved globally in the world, the universe, the cosmos, and at the same time intimately aware of, invested in, and controlling every one of our personal lives. And when you steal from someone else because you think you won't have enough, when you steal from someone else because you want more, when you steal from someone because you don't believe that what you have is what you need or it's not in its right time, then not only have you injured and hurt your fellow man, you've also denied Hashem's role, His involvement, His love in your life. You ever have someone that you said like, I got it, I'll take care of it for you, but then you found out they did it anyway, or they doubted you, or they went around you, or they asked someone else also, and you're personally hurt because you say, I said I got it. I said I'll take care of it. I said you're good to go. You don't trust me. You don't believe me. You don't have faith in me. You're not willing to rely on me. Kush Baruch Hu says, when you've stolen, not only have you violated a moral boundary of hurting someone else, but you violated our relationship. You see this later too with the theme, as Noach, caring about every individual, not only Ashkacha Klalas, but a sense of a Ashkacha Pratis. And we are to emulate that, to care not only globally about everybody, but to care about the individuals as well. So back to the beginning of the Parsha. Who is this Noach? And why is he deemed worthy? Ela told us, Noach, Noach ish tzadik tamim haya bedorosav, esa elokim is halich Noach. These are the told us of Noach. And then we repeat Noach's name again, because maybe you forgot it. Ela told us, Noach, Noach ish tzadik. Why is the word toldos used? Isn't that an interesting word? Toldos. Why is the word toldos used? Ela told us, Noach. We just began the Smichas Chaver program. Today's going to be a series of shameless plugs for other shir that I give. So we, we covered sitter snippets, now smichas chaver. Sunday mornings for men. We had uh, Baruch Hashem, over 80 men. We started Hilcha Shabbos, the Nuzman. And Hilcha Shabbos begins with a discussion of the Lamites, Malachos. We have 39 categories of creative labor that are forbidden on Shabbos. And how do we categorize them? We have the super category, which is called the Av. And we have a subcategory called the Tolda. Avos, 39 Avos. And each of those avos, those big categories, have told us. We have several areas of halacha 
that have Avas and Toldos. We have Arba Avas Nezikin, four categories of damages, and they have Toldos. We have categories of Tumah, and they have subcategories. And the Gemara there in Baba Kama, Toldosem Kiyotzebem, Eina Kiyotzebem, how similar are the Toldos to the Avos? What's the relationship between the two? What's the value of categorizing them in this way? So we think an Av is the archetype, the prototype, the umbrella category, and the Tolda is the subcategory. Why is Noah introduced to us here with the word Eila Toldos? Why with the word Toldos? So Revolba, is a beautiful Sefer, a collection of Revolba's insights on Chumash. Shi'ure Chumash, appropriately named, Shi'ure Chumash, of Rav Shlomo Volba, the great Mashkiach of Yishlaim. Shameless plug number three. On Wednesdays in our Women's Amuna class, we've been learning Revolba's Tzadik Be'emunasa Yechia. Beautiful insights into Amuna. So here in his parish, he says, Eila told us Noach, Lama Ikr told us Lama told us Tovim. Rashi says, Why are they called Toldos? Because to- Noach is called a Tzadik. He's Tamim in his door. He's called righteous. He's pure in his generation. Toldos. You know what a person's true Toldos? You know what our greatest offspring are? What is our ultimate legacy? Is Masim Tovim, our good deeds, the impact that we make. And this should give some chizuk. Sometimes our children are our great legacy. We're proud of the direction that they're in. And Vayachu Shneim Yachta, the great bracha, Avram is described as walking with Yitzchak to the Akedah, Vayachu Shneim Yachtav, the two walked together. That's the great bracha that we hope for ourselves, that our children walk in our way, not only meet our level, surpass our level. But there are times that Nebuch, a person's children, are not entirely exactly, at least not for now, their chapters of their book are yet unwritten, but at least for now don't seem on the trajectory of walking in their way. Rashi says we should know that we also have other toldos. We leave biological offspring, but we also leave spiritual offspring. And the spiritual offspring that we leave are the difference that we've made in our lives, is the impact that we've had in this world. So Revolba writes, A person can go through the motions and do a lot, but it's all superficial, it's all external. They don't, the actions don't emanate, they don't come from a person's kishkas. They're not coming from who you are inside. For the righteous person, Sometimes a person writes a big check to Tzaka. Sometimes a person volunteers on a committee. Sometimes a person has the longest Shemona Esrei. Sometimes a person is in the base Medrash the most amount of time. Sometimes a person volunteers the most. And why are they doing all of that? For their honor, their reputation, their name, for business networking, for Shidduchim, for their children. Who knows what kind of superficial external motivation. But that's not the Tzaddik. The tzaddik, it's Eila Toldos. It is a piece of who you are. It's coming from inside. It's our essence. It's a tolda. So every masim tovim that you do, you've created a tolda. You just gave birth to another child. It's such a beautiful way to look at life. The joy, the pleasure, the satisfaction, the hope, and the dream of when you have a child, when you have an enako, when you have a grandchild, one should realize that that's not only true biologically, the difference you leave in this world, the legacy you leave through children and grandchildren, but through good deeds, through the difference that we make, through the kind gestures, through the charitable giving, through the volunteering, through the Torah, the Avodah, the Gemilas Chasadim. For the Tzaddik, those are toldo, says Revolba. That's part of our legacy. Those are equally our offspring. 
And I want to give that as chizuk because sometimes, again, someone's biological toldos are not giving them the nachas they hoped and dreamt of, at least not for now. But one can create toldos in other ways, says Ravoba, one can create parallel toldos through the difference and the legacy that we make. Rashi famously quotes that when the Pasuk says, Tzadik Bedorosav, he was righteous in his generation, is that a compliment or an insult? Rashi says, both. It's a machlokas. It's a machlokas. Bidorosov. Says Rashi, some of our rabbis learn from here as a compliment. If Noah would have lived in another generation, he would have been even more righteous. And some learn it in a disparaging way. Yeah, for his corrupt, miserable, negative, reject generation, he was righteous. But if he lived in Avram's generation, he would have been an absolute gornished. He would have been a reject. So some learn it l'shvach, a compliment, and some learn it l'gnai. Do you see a difference between the two ways that it's learned? Very interesting. Look at Rashi again. I'll read the Rashi again. Some of our rabbis learned from here a compliment. Look how righteous he was and would be in any generation. And some learn it disparagingly that only in his generation, if it were Avram's, he would not have been. What's the difference? What word is missing in the second half of comment? Anybody? Anyone have coffee this morning? No. What word is missing? The difference, the word that's missing. The difference, the word that's missing. Anyone notice it? No. So, Rabbi Yisrael of Cherkov, Rabbi Yisrael of Cherkov says, the word Raboseinu is missing. Yesh me Raboseinu dorshem l'shvach, v'yesh dorshem l'genai. And says Rabbi Yisrael of Cherkov, some look at the Pasuk and choose to see a compliment in Noach. Wow, Noach was so righteous, amazing, Hashem chose him. V'yesh dorshem l'genai, but some look to be disparaging and say, yeah, he was pretty good for his low-life generation. But if he were relative to Avram, he would have been a gornished. Says Rabbi Yisrael Mitcharkov, anyone who looks to see Lignai is not Meiraboseinu. Anyone who looks at another person or looks at a circumstance and tries to cynically see the negative instead of the positive is not among our teachers. Meiraboseinu, Dorshem Lashvach. Our teachers, they look for the compliment. They look to see the good. And Yesh Darshan Lagnai, Nebuch, in every generation, there are cynics and scoffers who will look to be able to see it. Lagnai. They'll look to be able to say the negative. I love that insight. There's two ways to see it. He says, Rabbi Sormi Charkov, he says, How could you say such Lashanara? The Pasuk itself says, Noach is East Sadik, Tamim Bidorosov. So the only way that you could read Lagnai is if you're not Meiraboseinu. If you're Meiraboseinu, you'll always read it Lashvach. If you're reading it like Nai, you're not Meiraboseinu. Look for the good, look for the compliment, look for the impressive. Don't look to knock someone down. Don't look to say, yeah, they're pretty good, but you know, if they lived in another, in this community, they're such a big, uh, but if they lived in another community, they'd be among the smallest givers. They've had the shortest one, that's right. They'd be the biggest Amharats. It's only because of this community that they're so great. If a person has that attitude or comes, then, that person is not Meirabo Seinu. Again, Revolba has an insight. He says, what's the difference 
What do you mean, Yesh Rabbaseinu? Lashvach, Lignai. A person can be motivated to be great for one of two reasons, he says. Such an important insight of Revolba. He says, some people only look at their generation and they say, you know what? Look at the corruption. Look at the moral depravity. Look at the laziness and procrastination. Look at the consumerism and materialism. I want to rise above that. Things are so negative, so pathetic, so low. The bar is so low. I'm moved and driven to rise above it. So that is lignai. The only reason that you're inspired is because you see such failure around you that that motivates you. That's lignai. But yesh l'shvach. There's another type of person who's a ben aliyah, a bas aliyah, is a person who says, I'm motivated and driven to be the best. It's never relative to anyone else. I don't care. It's not stimulated or driven by observing the generation. I'm motivated and driven because I'm a ben aliyah, I'm a bas aliyah. I always want to be the best I can be. I always want to accomplish the most. I want to reach the highest highs I can reach. That's l'shvach. So says Revolba, what Chazal were observing about Noah is in telling us there are two drivers to our inspiration. You can be driven by to, in, to inspiration by the lower level, which is to look at others and to only want to be better. Or you can be driven to inspiration not relative to anyone else, but to yourself, to be the best you can be. To be driven to be the best you can be, that's Lashvach. To only be motivated relative to others, that is, that is Lagnai. So Noah has chosen to build this teva and is given a lot of time with a lot of hope that others will repent and come back and improve and do what they need to do. And ultimately, do they? No, they don't. They fail to. What's the design of this teva? Look at Perak Vav Pasuk Tezayin. Just to share a quick, uh, acute insight. The Pasuk says, it's on page 30. When Hashem is giving the design, the architecture of this magnificent teva, so and so on and so forth. You got to put a window into the teva. Why are you putting a window in the side of the teva? So teva. So Rashi quotes here. So teva. Pasuk tezayin. Rashi. Yesh omrim chalon. Some say it was a window. Yesh omrim even tova It was some sort of a gem, a stone that refracted light, that brought in light to the teva. I once saw, what are these two opinions? Some say it's a window, some say it's a stone. They are consistent or commensurate with the two opinions about L'shvach or L'gnai. Was he only righteous for his generation or for any generation? Why? If he was righteous for any generation, if he was a tzaddik in an objective sense, then he could have a window. He'd be entitled to look out and see the destruction of the world who didn't have the merits that he had. But if it's L'gnai, he was a tzaddik relative to his generation, but he really wasn't such a tzaddik. Would he be allowed to look back and see the failure, the death, the destruction of others? Who do we know? Who was cautioned? Because her merits were not great enough not to turn around and look back? Aisha's Lot, Lot's wife. So similarly, if someone was only a relative tzaddik, not really an objective tzaddik, just a subjective one, then it wouldn't be a hull on a window. It would just be a stone to bring in the light, but they wouldn't be entitled to look out to be able to see the destruction of others. Okay, But I saw something else this year. Sasem is the Helige. So he says, The word teva means an ark. What else does it mean? A word. Tevot are words. A teva is a word. So it means the words of the sitter when we're davening. You have to say it with brightness, with clarity. 
You can't fly through davening. You can't mumble the words. Tsoar tasa lateva. Your davening, your enunciation of the words should be done with clarity, should be done with brightness and illumination, should be done with energy and enthusiasm. Tsoar tasa lateva, says the Svas Emes. Okay, why is Noach chosen? Noach is the man. Noach is on a low level because he did not inspire or incite his generation. Why didn't he? Why didn't he turn around his generation? Noach is a, every year a very controversial figure. There are Noach lovers and there are Noach haters. Every year Parshas Noach, two sides emerge. There are the people who think Noach doesn't get the credit he's due and there are people who think Noach really ultimately is a failure. All he saved was himself and his family and he worked hard, he saved all those animals too. He did save the world, but he didn't save his generation. So there's always two sides to that debate. Noach begins as a Ish Tzadik and he ends as an Ish Adama when he comes out of the Teva, as opposed to Moshe, the Medrash compares, who begins as an Ish Mitzri, an Egyptian, and ends as an Ish Elohim, ends as a man of, of God. What is the trajectory of our life? Do we end up higher than where we started? No matter where we started, no matter what rung on the ladder we started, do we end up higher? Or did we start and we end up lower? In that sense, Noach, Noach is blamed. The Navi Yeshayahu calls them May Noach, the waters of Noach. On the other hand, Noach is lauded for what he did. Noach is born Mahul. He's born with a bris milah, which is a reflection of somebody who's on a very high level. So there's two sides to this debate about Noach. Noach ultimately does not succeed in inspiring his generation, even though Hashem brought him the time. He gave him a timeline that was exceedingly long to build the Teva because he wanted the neighbors to keep asking, what you doing? What are you up to? Or keep telling him that it violates the HOA rules. You're not allowed to do that in your front yard, your backyard. You got to build your teva elsewhere. And he wanted Noach to say, hey guys, don't worry about the HOA. There's an even bigger destruction to the world than an HOA, and that is a mabul is coming. But Noach failed to do it. Why? Where did he go wrong? Why did Noach not, in fact, inspire or transform his generation? So there's a magnificent insight of Rav Levi Yitzchak of Berditch of the Kedushas Levi. The Pasuk says that when the table was complete, Kodesh Baruch Hu brought the rain, and only when Noach saw the rain begin to fall, does he enter the table. And Rashi quotes Chazal, who observe, isn't it peculiar? God told him to build a teva. He's been working on it forever. God told him what's going to happen, but he didn't go into the teva because God said, hey Noach, it's time to board. He only got into the teva when? when he saw the raindrops begin to fall. So Chazal were bothered and they said, you know what? Mikatne Emuna. He was from the small of Emuna. Mamen ve'eno mamen. He believed, but he didn't believe. What does it mean, Mikatne Emuna? He was a tzaddik, bedorosav. He's katne Emuna? So this is a big question. How could you describe Noah as lacking in Emuna when the Torah testifies about him that he was a tzaddik? So says Rav Levi Yitzchak of says the Kedushas Levi, you know what the deficiency of Emunah was? Not in Hashem. In Hashem he believed wholeheartedly. He failed to believe, believe adequately in himself. He said, who am I? Who's going to listen to me? What difference can I make? How much does what I do matter? He saw himself as so little, so insignificant, so inconsequential, so unable to make a difference that he didn't even try. And therefore, they're called May Noah. He could have stopped this flood. If he'd stand up on that soapbox, if he stood on the edge of that teva, and he lectured, and he, and he preached, 
and he led by example and he inspired the people. He could have saved the generation, but he didn't. And therefore the flood is attributed to him, they're the May Noah. And why didn't he do it? Not because he didn't believe in Hashem, and not because he didn't believe in the people's power to change. The whole failure was, he didn't believe in himself. Says Rav Levi Yitzchak in Berdichev, a person has to begin by believing in themselves. We have to know the difference that we can make, the power that we have to change the world. That is the premise to being alive, is to believe in that we can make a difference. Rav Tzadik HaKohen also writes, Tzidka Satzadik, Rav Tzadik HaKohen of Lublin, he says there's two types of emuna. There's the emuna in Hashem, but a person wants to have emuna in ourselves. Why should we have emuna in ourselves? From where should that emuna come? Not an arrogant emuna, I have so much faith in myself, I trust myself, but why should we believe that we're capable and competent and that we make a difference and that we matter? Why should we believe that? This is an epidemic in our day, especially with teenagers and young people who are struggling with depression, anxiety, suicidal ideation, life of drugs, many of whom describe because they feel invisible and inconsequential and they don't think they matter or their life matters and the world won't even notice if they disappear. I've heard it several times from teenagers and from all who struggle with anxiety, depression, and the like. So why is that wrong? Why should we know that we matter? And that we make a difference? That we can't and shouldn't be mekat ne'amuna, that we shouldn't be those who are small or diminished of faith, not in Hashem, but in ourselves. The answer is also in our parsha, Because the Pasuk says, Perik Tess Pasuk Vav, page 40. In the article, Stone Chumash. Hench is here, so we call it the Stone Chumash today. Page 40. Perak Tes Pasuk Vav. When they come out of the Teva, and Kirsh Baruch has given a second chance to the world, he gives some instructions. And he says, here's the deal. Ach basar ben avshor damolo socheilu, ba'ach es dimchem namavshor seichem edrosh, shofech dam ha'adam ba'adam damo yishafech. One of the most clumsy psukim in the whole Torah. The Mepharshim all struggle to exactly translate, interpret this Pasuk. Let's read those words again. Shofech dam ha'adam, ba'adam, damo yishafech. Basically, for our purposes right now, don't murder. If you murder, you're accountable. If you murder, there are consequences. Do not murder. And why should you not murder? What's wrong with murder? Key. B'Tselem Elohim Adam. Because God created man in his image. B'Tselem Elohim. Kodesh Baruch created man in his image. Don't murder. Why? Because Hashem created man in his image. So it's interesting, Rabbi Akiva and Pirkei Avos, in the third chapter of Pirkei Avos, Mishnah Yirches, Rabbi Akiva quotes this. And what does Rabbi Akiva teach us? Chaviv Adam Shanivra B'Tselem. Beloved is man who's created B'Tselem. And what pasuk does Rabbi Akiva quote? How do we know man is created B'Tselem? Chaviv Adam Shanivra B'Tselem. What pasuk does Rabbi Akiva quote there in Pirkei Avos? Our pasuk right here. And the question is, I saw Rav Volbe ask this, Rav Salavechik asked this. In, in Pirkei Yavos, Rabbi Akiva is going to quote, Chaviv Adam, beloved is man. By the way, it doesn't say Chaviv Yisrael. What does it say? Chaviv Adam. Certain parts of the Torah community think that the Yid, the Jew, is Chaviv Tashem, but the Goy is worthless. That's not what the Mishnah says in Pirkei Yavos. 
Teferis Yisrael, and the Mishnah points this out. Look at the Teferis Yisrael. He writes very beautifully, and then the Teferis Yisrael actually references all these non-Jews who've made incredible contributions to the world. Chaviv Adam Shenivra B'Tzalem. Yes, it's true, Banam Yisrael, we are Hashem's children. We are more beloved. But Chaviv Adam, the generic, all of humanity, every human being, Jew and non-Jew alike, a Yisrael and a Goy, are all created with a Tzalem Elohim. They have a basic dignity, and they deserve to be treated with respect and with dignity, and spoken about with dignity, and respected with dignity. Chaviv Adam, says the Teferis Yisrael, not Chaviv Yisrael, Chaviv Adam. Everyone, Jew and non-Jew alike, is Chaviv, is beloved to Hashem. So when you mistreat that guy, I'm not using that word, but others use it very disparagingly, they talk about their goiter, or their guy, or they treat the guy. No, the person that you're mistreating is Chaviv Tashem. Chaviv Adam Shinivra B'Tselem. That person is a Tselem Elohim that you are putting down or disrespecting or are not courteous to or are not treating with dignity or are talking about or using a word that is disparaging. Chaviv Adam Shinivra B'Tselem. But anyway, Rabbi Kiva quotes which Pasuk? This Pasuk. So I asked Ravob, I asked Rav, why does he quote our Pasuk here, Ki B'Tselem Elohim? Where did we see that Pasuk earlier? He should have quoted the Pasuk earlier. In Perak Aleph, Pasuk Chavzayin. Perak Aleph, Pasuk Chavzayin of, of Breshis tells us that Hashem created the world, and on the sixth day He creates man. With the very creation of man, it tells us He created man. So why when Rabbi Akiva says, Chaviv Adam, that all of humanity is beloved and respected by Hashem and should be by us, he quotes the Pasuk here later. So Rav Oba, the Rav, they both give the same answer. And they say, you know why? Because when Rabbi Kiva was concerned with finding a Pasuk for the basic principle of covet Adam, the dignity of man, he finds it in the fact that you're not allowed to murder. Why can't you murder another person? You don't like them, they're different than you, they live differently than you, they're unworthy, they don't have the merits, they're not living up to expectations, so what? So why can't you murder them? Because in the end of the day, they're at Salem Elohim. They have dignity. And if you kill them, if you murder them, you've killed a piece of God in this world. You've murdered an expression of Hashem in this world. Every human being is unique, is distinct. Every human being has their own personality, their own DNA. Every human being has their own contribution to make to this world. And if you were to murder someone else, You've taken a tzalem elokim, a unique expression of Hashem in this world, and you have purged Hashem from this world. Hashem becomes diminished kiviyachol through an act of murder, and that's why Chaviv Adam Shneiver B'Tzalem, Rabbi Kiva's teaching, Hashem loves everybody because everybody is an expression of them. I love everybody, but I love my children more than I love others. And if we're all Hashem's children, the Jewish people are Hashem's bechor, where he's firstborn. I don't. But Hashem loves His firstborn more than His other children. We are Hashem's firstborn, His Bechor, but everyone, is, everyone are Hashem's children. And Hashem loves us. We are at Selim We are an expression of Him in this world. And therefore, if you murder, you diminish Hashem's expression, Hashem being in this world. So therefore, we can't afford to be mikatne emuna. We shouldn't be lacking in faith in ourselves. Why? The faith is not in ourselves. To believe in yourself is to believe in Hashem. And that's what Rav Tzadok HaKohen writes. Emunah in Hashem means emunah in yourself. 
Because know that you're des- you are designed B'Tselem Elohim. You have God inside you. You are made up of godliness. You have capability and competency. You have capacity. You can make a difference. How can you be so sure and how can you know? You said it this morning. When you said Moda'ani, you ended with the two words, Rabbah Amunasecha. You ever think about it? I've said this countless times. But you ever think about it? Moda'ani, God, I'm so grateful, thank you. You gave me back my neshama. Rabbah Amunasecha. Great is, it doesn't say Rabbah Amunasi, my faith is great. It doesn't say I've woken up this morning, Life is good, the sun's back in the sky, the weather's finally cooling off a little bit, you can breathe. So therefore, Hashem, Rabbi Emunah, see my faith in you is great. That is not how we begin our day. What are the first words that leave our lips every morning? Now, Rabbi Emunah, see my faith in you is great. What are the first words we say, Rabbi? Emunah, secha, your faith is great. One second. I thought we're the ones who have faith. What do you mean Hashem has faith? In whom does Hashem have faith? The answer is... If you just woke up this morning, Hashem has faith in you. If you woke up today, the curtain has not come down yet. You yet have another act to live, to write, to perform. Rabba emunah secha. Hashem's faith in you is great. Evidenced how? By the very fact that you woke up this morning. So it says Rav Tzadok, that not only are we mandated to have faith in Hashem, but as an extension of faith in Hashem, is faith in His tzelem. And Selim Elohim, he put a piece of himself in every one of us. So faith in him means faith in us. And if we are to have faith in ourselves, you can't kill someone else because you're killing a Selim Elohim. And this was Noah's failure, says Rabbi Yitzchak. He didn't believe in his own ability to change the world. He didn't have faith in himself. We have to believe in ourselves and believe in our ability to change, to change the world. Okay, I have so much to talk about. Let's run through a few more ideas quickly. We may not get up to the door of Loga or Terach, but there's good news. We're reading Parshas Noach again next year. Mr. Hashem, we should all just be here and healthy to learn it together. So, Noach, something very interesting about this character, Noach, about his name. Noach is the protagonist of our flood story, and we know he's chosen to save humanity, but why is he chosen? The Torah itself testifies why Noach is chosen when it says, Hashem. What is the character trait that makes Noach the chosen one and worthy? Noach had chain. And that makes sense because we all like to be around people who have chain. We want our children to marry someone with chain. We want them to have chain. We like to be around people with chain. A magnetic personality, a charisma, a warmth a positive disposition, a positive spirit. It makes us feel better. In fact, the Orachayim HaKadosh writes, we know from his name that Noach's chain was his defining characteristic. How do we know that? Because his name was Noach, which is chain backwards. Noach and chain. Having chain was who Noach was. It was his defining characteristic. It's precious to Hashem. We ask for it every day to be like Noach. When do we do it? You just did it this morning. You did it twice this morning so far because it's Rosh Chodesh and you said Musaf. Sim Shalom. What do we say in Sim Shalom? Chain v'chesed v'rachamim. Hashem, give us your chesed and your rachamim. But you know what else we ask for? We ask for chain. The question is, what is chain? 
and how do we acquire it? So the Pasuk says in Mishle in the third parak, to the humble, Hashem gives chain. The Gemara Navodazara Davav tells us that Noach was exceedingly humble. You know what chain is? Modesty and humility. He was humble before he was tapped to save the world and he remained humble even afterwards. We just quoted the Rebbe Yitzchak, like maybe he was humble to a fault, that he didn't believe in himself and his capacity. But even after he saved the world, he didn't walk around and say, hello, talk about a hero, I saved the whole world. So what is the source of chain? Where does it come from? It comes from humility. Someone has chain no matter what their accomplishments, achievements, their socioeconomic status, when they carry themselves and practice humility. Sefer Haredim, in the ninth parak, in entry Mem Beis, Sefer Haredim gives another explanation, also based on Noach's name. He says, Noach found chain in Hashem's eyes, Matzachin be'ini Hashem. Why? Not the letters reversed, but the letters the way they are. What does his name mean? Noach. What is the word Noach? Noach, like Menucha, peaceful, serene, which means Noach didn't lose his cool. Noach didn't get bent out of shape. He wasn't anxious or nervous or overexcited. He never raised his decibel level, his blood pressure didn't go up. He was Noach. Noach was Noach. I'll read to you the Sefer Haredim. He writes, he's talking, quotes the Zohar, when you get angry, you forfeit, you concede your holy soul. It's like your soul leaves you, abandons you. You're filled with a ruach shtus. You're like a mad person. Your, cloud, your judgment is clouded when you get angry. You're worshiping an idol and you forfeit your soul. In that context, he says, person has to preserve their holy soul, not to lose it by losing it. You have to always be serene and calm, cool, collected. It uses Noach's name three times to tell us that we have to express being Noach. We have to be calm, cool, collect, serene, put together in three ways. In our speech, in our walking, and in our, in our actions. In all three of these ways, we have to be this way. So Noach was chosen. Why? Because he didn't get angry. He didn't make a scene. He didn't raise his voice. He didn't insist on everything happening his way. He was Noach. He was at peace with himself, with his surroundings, and that's what gave him chen. The people with chen are the people who can keep it together, calm, cool, collect. And really those two definitions overlap and go together because humble people are calm and cool and collected. Why and when do people get angry? When do they lose it? Because they're arrogant, because they think that everyone and everything has to happen their way. And that's why they get angry. So they lack the modesty. Those two character traits really go together. Rav Palm has a beautiful insight. I want to tell you two Rav Palms quickly. And maybe that's going to be the end. Unfortunately, we're running out of time. Maybe two Rav Palms and a Revolba, and we'll call it a day. Oy, there was so much more. But okay. So Rav Palm says the following. The Gemara Erevin and Daf Samachai tells us, Adam Nikar, a person is recognized. How can you understand the person? 
Bekiso, Bekoso, Ubekaso. With their wallet, what do they prioritize their spending on? How generous and magnanimous are they? Bekoso, what happens when they imbibe a cocktail? Ubekaso, do they lose their cool? Do they get angry? That's the Gemara. But if Palm quotes that the, the Medrash, the Derech Zuta, it says, Maybe the regular person is identified in three ways, but a Tamachacham, a righteous person, is identified in a fourth way. The way that we speak. How a person speaks says everything about them. What does it mean how the person speaks? So it means what you speak about, what you speak about. I think it was Eleanor Roosevelt who once said, small people talk about people, mediocre people talk about things, great people talk about ideas. So are you small, are you mediocre, or are you great? Do you talk about people, do you talk about things, or do you talk about ideas? So first of all, they're recognizable what they speak about, but we're also recognizable how we speak. And this also is learned from our parsha. Because the Gemara Psachim and Dav Gimel tells us, A person has to always be careful in how we speak, not to use profanity, not to speak inappropriately. And where do we learn that from our parsha? Because when the Torah delineates the different animals that come into the Teva, it calls them, we, used to, we wasted letters, we wasted words. The Torah could have said more efficiently that the animals that were pure and the animals that were impure. But the Torah didn't want to use the word impure. That was considered a profanity by the Torah. I wrote recently an article about this, how there's no, once upon a time, there were words any dignified person would never use. And today, we have the people vying for the highest office of the land, who at every debate, and every pep rally are dropping bombs bursting in air of curses and you can't, you can't expose your children to even hearing a political rally or a political debate. Read an article, let alone what's considered to be culture, but it's just pop culture, not high culture today. So the Torah is so careful, it wouldn't even use the word Tamea. It didn't even say impure, it only said Tahora. That's how careful and vigilant we have to be with our language, with our words. And says Rav Pam, that's why a Tamachacham is recognizable in that way. The Rambam writes in his Moran Nevuchim that the reason that Hebrew is called Lashon HaKodesh is because there are certain things that we don't even have words for in that language. There are things that Hebrew doesn't even have a language, a description of, and that's why it's called Lashon HaKodesh. HaKodesh. The Chazanish once overheard someone say that that's a lie. And the Chazanish corrected him and he said, don't say it's a lie. Say it isn't true. Don't use the word lie. Say it's not true. Being careful with language is the sign of a dignified person, of an elevated person, of an aspirational person. It's true in not using profanity or vulgarity, but it's also true even just in the language. Lubavitcher Rebbe Zatzal. There's a whole chapter, I think, in Telushkin's biography of the Rebbe, how the Rebbe was so careful about using positive language the Rebbe would not use negative language. So they once asked for the Rebbe to give an endorsement on a hospital. And the Rebbe said on one condition, if it's called a Beit, it was in Israel, it has to be called a Beit Rifuah, not a Beit Cholim. If it's called a Beit Cholim, so everyone who's in the hospital feels they're sick. 
But if it's called a Beit Refuah, everyone who's in the hospital feels, I'm in a place where I'm going to get better. And there were countless examples where the Rebbe was very careful. The Rebbe had never called it, despite there being the biggest operation of outreach, the Rebbe never called it Kiruv. We call it Kiruv. What does Kiruv mean? To bring someone closer. The Rebbe said it's not called Kiruv. Because Kiruv suggests that I'm in the right place and I have to bring the other person closer to me. And that's wrong. None of us are in the right place can say I am to bring them closer to me. So this notion of how we use our Dibur, this was Noach. Noach Matzachain, Chain and Noach. He was peace, he was a calm, he didn't raise his voice, he didn't lose his cool. Sfasema says that the word Mabul, Mabul means the whole world was Mivulbal, it was all mixed up, it was all confused, it was all corrupt. And where did we go to protect ourselves from that world of Mabul? A world of profanity and vulgarity and corruption. Where did we enter to protect ourselves from the Mabul? We had to go into the? The Teva. And what does the word Teva mean? The Teva Shal Torah, the words of Torah. 22 letters of the Hebrew alphabet and the Teva, the words of Torah. It means not just the Ark, as in the boat, but the Ark that is behind me, that holds the Torah. When a person wants to protect themselves from a Mabul, and my friends, make no mistake, we are living in a world that is a cesspool of Mabul. It is a swamp and it's not being drained. It is a mabul, it is mivubal, the vulgarity, the profanity, the moral corruption, and decadence and depravity. And the only way to protect ourselves is to enter the teva. <clears throat> the only way, <clears throat> excuse me, the only way to protect ourselves is to enter the Svas Emes' teva shal Torah, to immerse ourselves in Torah values and Torah ideals and Torah study and in Torah living. Because it's chayim hi lamachazikim ba. If there's a flood going on all around you, you gotta grab onto something. And what do we grab onto? The Eitz Chaim He, what we grab onto that will save us from the flood that's happening, the Teva that we need to enter is that Teva of, is that teva of Torah. All right, I'll save the other of Palm and the other of Volba, Mir Tashem, for next year. But there is such great stuff, just take my word for it. Wishing everyone a good Chaydesh, a good winter, a good Yar, a good Chavez.